This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going? Going really well. Merry Christmas, guys. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. And because it is kind of the uh, the holiday-themed episode here, probably the last of 2022, we've got a special guest, fellow senior writer, former PWI editor-in-chief, Harry Burkett. How's it going, Harry? Great to be here. Merry Christmas. Yes. I feel like this is an annual tradition. Yeah, do you remember the the first PWA podcast uh, Christmas party? We had like effects and everything. We had like uh, office effects. We <laughs> joked about like you know uh, uh, Dan getting drunk in the back or something like. That. <laughs> uh, but I know that it reminded me of those old. Uh, it's like those old Wall. I don't know. I don't know if you remember Wall Street Week on PBS. They would have the I year do. end uh, around yeah. New Year's Eve, and they'd have all of these. Uh, tycoons and, and the and the financial analysts come in they'd all be wearing tuxedos and they'd have drinks and and the thing is they had to fit all that into 22 minutes <laughs> did harry were you ever in the office through like uh, i don't know if it would have been a, a pwi uh, christmas party or a kappa christmas party um they had uh, a party i believe it was at uh Mr. Karabatz's house, Mr. Karabatz, Nick, Nick Karabatz was the owner of uh, Capital Publishing. Uh, but since my real home was about 160 miles away, I took it to go back home. So I did not attend the Christmas party, but it was kind of glamorous. And well, all you need to know is Mr. Karabatz had a swimming pool on the second floor. Wow. <laughs> That's not bad. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And Brian, was there ever, uh, I'm sure there were WWE uh, holiday parties. Was there a WWE magazine holiday party? There, You know, uh, they have departmental parties now, from what I understand. But back then, we didn't have them because the company party was so amazing that, you know, that was the whole, it was like being at a wedding or something. I mean, they they rented a hall. They had a, le- a live band. They had, like, table, dinner, the whole thing. Like, you could pick your entrees. They had Santa Claus come, which in the early years was Freddie Blassie. Unfortunately, by the time I was going there, it wasn't anymore. I don't know who it was. It, it was actually the guy that they would have come on occasionally to be Santa Claus in the, like in the 90s. I have no idea who that was. But but we would have, like, the kids would have Santa. Like, it was elaborate. And from what I understand now, the company has just gotten so big that they don't do that anymore. Now they actually do department parties, but we didn't have them back then. Were the party uh, that you're talking about, would the talent be at that too? So would you have like office folks mingling with talent? Um, usually the the talent like that was on the road, the actual like full-time wrestlers typically were not there because like they would be home with their own families. And the, but, but who would be there would be like anybody that was like, you know, like Dusty Rhodes would be walking around. Uh, Ted DiBiase, I remember seeing um, – you know, Michael Hayes, like anybody that was affiliated with the TV or the full time end of things, I guess you could say they would be there. Triple H would be there. I remember one year. Do you remember when they were like hazing the tough enough guys like the Miz and all those guys and they were yeah. having them do embarrassing things? 
one year Booker T actually showed up. It was like they ran an angle at the Christmas party. I can't explain <laughs> it, but Booker T showed up and he had the Miz there. And I forget whoever the other guys were that didn't make it. It was the Miz and the other guys. And they had them do like some goofy Christmas dance because it was actually a dance floor and everything. And they made them do this goofy like Christmas dance for all the employees just to kind of embarrass them as part of their tough enough, you know, rite of passage. But, uh, you know, you never know who you might see. Obviously, all the McMahons would be there all the time. It was it was interesting. I remember one year my my daughter was like two years old. She spent the whole party sitting on Freddie Blassie's wife's lap, Miyako. <laughs> she wouldn't she would she wouldn't even want to give her back to me. So they would be. <laughs> Interesting things like that that would happen. My son, who was two years old, once tried to tackle Shane McMahon's son on the dance floor, which was a scary moment. They were both two years old. I could see my career flashing before my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, everybody was safe. Nothing happened. We we intervened. Linda and I intervened and made sure no one got hurt. So wow, wow, great stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so again, we we are here at the end of 2022, and so we're going to be uh, looking back on this episode uh, to what is, uh, I think, a pretty historic year, in part because of uh, the McMahon family, um, and also uh, talking about the year in, in AEW and uh, WWE under a new regime. Uh, again, I think a very newsworthy year, and also maybe looking ahead some to what we expect in 2023. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I haven't gotten it in the mail, or I'd hold it up, um, but it is the uh, Tag Team 100 uh, issue, the last of the uh, the trilogy of ranking issues. We're finally done with ranking season. Uh, you could get the uh, digital edition now. I don't know if the print one is available yet. It might be in my mailbox by the time uh, I'm done here, but it should be out uh, any moment now. Uh, by now, you know, uh, the Usos Got are... Yesterday. Did you? Okay, good to know. So I should have it in, in the mailbox later mm -hmm. today. Um, uh, by, you know, by now, the Usos are the number one ranked uh, tag team. First time a WWE tag team has ranked uh, number one. Uh, Brian, we talked about this a little bit in, in the last episode. I expected there, there might be some controversy. And I got to say, in the end, you know, we talk about how sometimes by the time the, the magazine comes out, you end up looking bad or you end up looking good. I think it, we ended up looking pretty good. And, and uh, there was even some concern uh, about whether a little behind the scenes stuff, uh, whether we should release the magazine a little early because uh, FTR was challenging for the uh, AEW Tag Team Championship. I, I think the the day before the magazine was supposed to hit um, the digital edition, and it just would have been one more you know point of controversy if if now they've got a fourth tag team championship, the big one, and here we picked uh, the Usos, but. Um, sure enough, they did not win the tag team uh, championship, and a few days later, lost the Ring of Honor tag team championship. And meanwhile, the Usos went and, and made history and uh, became the longest reigning WWE tag team champions ever. So I think we end up looking uh, pretty good. Um, uh, Harry, I'll ask you. You know your, your thoughts on uh, the Usos. Uh, are they the best tag team in the world? Were they in 2022? I, I do believe so. It's interesting. Um, we almost used the opposite logic for the PWI 500 a couple years oh. ago when we picked Kimon over Roman Reigns, that Omega was the uh, international belt collector. And uh, we used the rationale, well, if, if PWI thinks these championships mean anything, then Kenny Omega should be number one. Therefore, even though Reigns was the biggest star, and uh, a huge factor in WWE that year, Omega got the nod. 
But this year we kind of used the opposite logic. But I think the difference is I know you're only supposed to consider what's happened in the past year. But I have to consider the fact that the Usos made history this year by becoming the longest reigning tag team champions. And they added yet another title reign. So I think the whole gravity of that made them the deserving winners. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Brian? Yes. And and the difference, because, <clears throat> of course, I'm thinking about Omega, too. The difference is. Uh, at least Omega was clearly <clears throat> the number one star in his own company. You know what I mean? You could argue at the time, whereas the problem that we were faced with FTR, you know, we <clears throat> excuse me, guys. <clears throat> it was a real challenge because it was those two ideas clashing together, like you said. So, you, you know, where are we going to fall here? So we've got FTR with all these belts, all these championships. But clearly, the problem is, in, in AEW, forget about being the number one tag team. I wouldn't even call them the number two. And I hate to say that because I love them. But it's like, you know, you've got uh, the Young Bucks and the Acclaimed, who I both would consider to have been featured above them. Um, it's not their fault. It, you know, it, it's it's the way they're being presented and treated on television and then you look at the Usos, and they are a legitimate main event act. You know, they are in the mix. They're in the hottest storyline in wrestling. And it isn't just that. We're looking at titles. Fine. They're also the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. They've they've wrestled way more in the evaluation period than FTR did. You know, it's like you, you have to decide what criteria you're going to use in that case. Because, yes... Like I've said online, would I rather watch FTR matches any day of the week? Do I think they're a better <clears throat> tag team in the ring, a better working tag team? In my opinion, yes, they are. I think they're like a generational kind of a tag team. But, the but you, you know, you're talking about the Usos. It would be like saying, you know, well, the Road Warriors, oh, you know, kind of like they're not the best tag team in wrestling. But, um, but how could you not rank them number one? You know what I mean? They're the most dominant. They're presented the best. In the ring, they have the best storylines. They're a main event act that gives them clout over teams that you'd rather watch their matches, but they're not at the same level. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree with all that, uh, I'll, but I'll make the point, and, and I know you're not saying otherwise. They are a great working tag team, right? So it's it's not. Oh, no, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not. No, saying I know. Yeah, I, I'm just I saying they're fantastic. Um, and and yes. some of the best tag team matches WWE has presented uh, in a long time. And I think to, to your other point, um, right, not only are they uh, positioned higher in their company than FTR are, um, I think you can argue that they are the biggest act in WWE in as much as they are part of um, the bloodline. And with Roman working a lighter schedule, uh, they are sort of the face of the bloodline. And so here you've got the biggest act that WWE has had in years. And uh, on any given week, certainly at live events on TV, week in, week out, the Usos are the face of uh, the bloodline and just did uh, incredible work. You know, their their work in the ring aside, I think those guys are absolutely uh, leading the industry in terms of promo work and just kind of believability. They're, they're you know, whenever I think about them, the, the word that comes to mind is uh, authentic, right? Authenticity. Those guys, uh, you, you know, really the work that Jay and Jamie did uh, really made this whole storyline with Sami Zayn and 
uh, little things, right? I mean, Jay in the back seething, you know, uh, quietly when, you know, something would happen with Sammy. And that's why that payoff at Survivor Series where Jay and, and Sammy hug was so great because Sammy, uh, because Jay had been, you know, sowing those seeds for, for so long. And Jay's been doing great work in particular. Jimmy's great too, but I think Jay really has been the standout act. Uh, from back when he was feuding with Roman a couple of years ago, and he did, you know, that was really kind of his breakout role. And he's done nothing but impress me since then. I think he's terrific, and I think this is a, a very well earned uh, honor. Uh, it's a hundred spots this year. We're not going to go through the rest of them, uh, but please go and, and check out uh, the issue. It's a lot of fun uh, putting together. There's a lot more in this magazine. There's a, a hot seat interview that I conducted with uh, Ray Phoenix, which is uh, a lot of fun, kind of an experiment. I, I interviewed one wrestler in Spanish earlier this year for the hot seat, uh, Lijo de Vikingo. This was the first Spanglish interview because uh, we were kind of going back and forth because sometimes he wouldn't get something in English or he'd have an easier time saying it's Spang Spanglish. So that is all to say the audio is unusable, <laughs> but the interview <laughs> is uh, a lot of fun. Um, so go check it out, pwi-online.com. Uh, Starting a, a whole new year, a perfect time to get a, a gift subscription for someone. Uh, don't miss uh, any issues. Uh, now we're getting to, we're already uh, at work now at the, the year-end uh, award uh, issue. And uh, before that, you know, we're already talking about what we're going to do for WrestleMania. So it, the machine never stops here at uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Go to pwi-online.com and check it out. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, 2022. Uh, Brian, you're sharing your memories of uh, brighter days for the Vince McMahon, for Vince McMahon and his family at the WWE Holiday Party. I don't know if there's going to be He's going to be in attendance at this year's party, uh, but uh, looks like he's trying to get get back. He, he wants the invite uh, at least. So I mean, you know, it it kind of gets uh, lost in in the news cycle. But but you know, fair to say, one of the the biggest, most momentous uh, stories um, in in wrestling history, certainly in our lifetime. You know, Vince McMahon uh, stepped down at the the end of the Vince McMahon era uh, uh, this year. Um, I'll leave it somewhat open-ended, uh, Harry. How, how significant uh, was this, and is is that your is that your takeaway from 2022? This is the year that Vince McMahon stopped being the most influential person in wrestling. It, it's hard to wrap my mind around because I've spent my nearly my whole life, at least as a wrestling fan, wondering what that day would be like, how it would manifest itself, how the company would survive, how it would be different, and. It's almost as if there are very few news stories, I guess, in life that radically change your life. And, you know, you're kind of expecting the sky to fall in, you know, when you're younger, you're thinking, you know, how's Vince going to go? Um, it's kind of like when Bob Backlund lost the WWF title to the Iron Sheik. You expected the skies to open up and Allah to come down and uh, <laughs> it was going to be on the CBS Evening News. But then, like. <laughs> This one kind of was. <laughs> the same thing. I wonder if, the, if it was that way after the moon landing. <laughs> but um, I guess this would have been a lot more significant 10 years ago in my mind. Or, you know, when Brian worked for the company, or especially the 90s, if he had gone out. I mean, he has created such a corporate empire that it sort of didn't skip a beat without him. It was just a question of uh, creative direction. Yeah, it's a good I think point. I mean, he, he sort of, I don't want to say marginalized himself, but right. I mean, he created a culture where um, he was less important. And and uh, uh, maybe the bad thing about it is, is what we noticed about Vince McMahon day in, day out as, as fans was the negative, right? I mean, um, 
more times than not, I think over, and maybe this wasn't fair, but but I think when we were having conversations about Vince McMahon's contributions um, over the last several years, it was in frustration. It was like, oh, I can't believe he he's doing this. Uh, but Brian, you were just on the uh, the Vice documentary. Did a fantastic job, by the way. Uh, Thank you, man. So so you've got that perspective. Um, uh, same question. I mean, is 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 that the the lasting image of 2022 is uh, Vince McMahon on in the headlines, Wall Street Journal leaving? And and you know, Harry, you talked about. I think we all had an idea of what we thought the day would look like. He'd die, right? He'd be dead. It was the only way um, that he was going to leave. Or maybe you could come up with. Or his memory would blow up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or maybe you come up with a scenario where where he's very elderly and just kind of losing some of his faculties. Even there, I don't know that he would step down. Um, but but this was different. He, there, there's you know, I'm sure they'd like to cast it some other way. But but he left in disgrace. He did, and that's not you know like he's, they're not casting it that way. They always use the term stepping away and this sort of thing. And but but he's been disgraced. And the thing about it is. Um, it's not the first time he's been disgraced in his career, but he always found a way to come back or be bulletproof or bounce back. And I think that the interesting thing here is to, to Harry's point is that it felt like it, it was, it did not feel untimely at all. It was like, finally was, was the general consensus. Whereas if something had happened, let's say during the steroid trial in the nineties, it would have been, Oh my God, this is like catastrophic. This is the, the the man who's running the place at the peak of his powers and this and that, and now he's gone and what's going to happen. Now it just sort of feels like, well, all right. I mean, it's about time. The right. guy is, you know, I'm, I'm not ageist or anything, but the guy's pushing 80. His father wasn't even, I don't even believe his father was 70 when his father stepped down and just said, all right, it's yours now. I'm done. I don't want any more of this. And he just seemed like you said, he was just going to hold on forever, um, and 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 it just feels like it's past due, past time. Like we kept talking about how out of touch he had seemed, and how it didn't seem like the Vince McMahon of the past. And you even would hear that sometimes from people who've known him and worked with him, you know, talking about him years ago compared to now. And it just feels like the, you know, as we all know, the stock prices went up. The morale went up. The office morale went up. There's a lot of people who've suddenly gotten a lot of bravery and courage to speak their mind about how discontented they were and how they don't want him to come back. That I don't think they would dare to say even anonymously when he was running the place. So there's this sense of almost relief. You, you could feel it even in the broadcasts immediately afterwards. Michael Cole was practically doing somersaults on television <laughs> on commentary. I think we all we all felt that. So, you know, it just it was time. It was time. And it took this to do it, which is also why I believe not to like put my tinfoil hat on or anything. But I really think that this was a very in part a calculated thing by whom I don't want or care to say, but to, to get him out of there. I think this was very it wasn't an accident is what I'm saying. Uh, clearly, uh, Vince McMahon you know, doesn't agree that his time should be up. And, and as you touched on a lot of stories recently about him trying to get uh, back in and uh, some questions, whether it it's possible, uh, I guess he still has majority ownership of the company and has the most uh, voting power uh, on the board. Uh, but when that story broke, the, you know, as you touched on sort of unanimously, the, the reaction was no, you know, that we don't want you back. It was very negative. Um, so, uh, Harry, do, do you have concerns that 
he he could come back um and what would that look like i think it would be a big step backward and you know for everything i appreciate about vince mcmahon and what he's done for the business uh, brian's right this felt like the right time and you know for a 76 or 77 year old to come back i remember in my uh, uh history class back in college they kept talking about santa Ana down in mexico and he kept coming back no matter what he would do one coup after another and by the end he only had one leg he was barely alive but some you know that's not good and Vince is obviously not the Vince McMahon he used to be and uh I just hate the fact that I, I'm starting to hear the criticisms of Triple H when I feel like generally the direction of the company and creative is much better getting rid of some of the gimmicky stuff like the 24-7 title etc and we can't expect it to be perfect. We can't expect it to be all NXT quality all the time out of him. You know, he's got to be spread thin too. And we say that about Tony Khan. And I think Vince coming back would be a, a real morale buster. Yes. Well, what, what do you think is behind that, Brian? Is it just selfishness? Because, you know, by every metric, WWE has has um, done well. I don't want to exaggerate, uh, but but I think overall – business is up, right? I think TV viewership is up. I think generally, this is somewhat anecdotally, but people are, are uh, more bullish on the WWE product. Uh, you know, speaking just as a fan and talking to other fans, including us, we think it's better uh, in, in the post Vince McMahon era. So what is it just a matter of he misses it, he's got nothing else to do, and he wants back in, whether it's the best thing for the company or not? I think it's just, you know, it, it's the sense of entitlement, which I think you can't argue is unearned. I mean, he created it, he built it. And I know, you know people could say, well, he inherited it, he got it. But he turned it into something that it completely was not. I mean, it was, uh, you know, just to the hundredth power. So effectively, he did build this thing from almost nothing. And, and so he still feels like this is mine. I mean, you could, it's very easy to understand that view. It's like, look, this is, I, I, I'm not slandering him by saying, that this is a very self-centered individual. I don't think anyone on earth, including him, would debate that. I mean, the world revolves around him in his mind, and this is his baby. It's his creation. So, of course, he would feel indignant and outraged and defiant that he was made to leave when he didn't want to leave, which clearly he was. And so, yeah, there's going to be some regret, but I have to say that that thing was blown completely out of proportion. I mean, if you actually read the stories, the Wall Street Journal story, there was another story that preceded it. It's like one line in the story where basically it comes off as somebody heard him say this to somebody. It's not like he's launching some campaign. It's like he probably said this to somebody in a, in a casual conversation of, oh, you know what? I never should have left. I probably could have just waited it out. It would have blown over, which is delusional. But like, it's easy to understand how somebody would say that. I don't think he's sitting there going, yes, I'm coming back and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my move. Not even close to that. I think it was really something people latched on to. But that was not even really the, the news of that day. The news of that day were the new the new scandals that were breaking. And, you know, Rita chattered and finally filing suit. And then the other spa worker coming out of the woodwork that we never even heard about. Like, those were the real stories. The thing about Vince, you know, having second thoughts was was in my mind a little footnote that got blown up. I think 
honestly, by a lot of websites that are trying to get hits and clicks. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I do think um, w- whether he wants to or not, and, and maybe he doesn't see this, uh, I just don't see how it's possible, you know, no. uh, working with, with Fox, working with NBC Universal uh, at Peacock, uh, the guy is just toxic right now. He, he's untouchable. And it, it, it isn't one allegation. It is allegation after allegation after allegation, um, m- many of which have essentially been uh, uh, proven in that there are settlements and all that. So there, you know, a lot of this stuff is not up for debate that this was happening. And and sort of the 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 best version of this was here's a guy who's married sixty years, whose whose wife is affiliated with the company, who's openly just kind of like gallivanting with other uh, women, and um, it's not a good look, right? So uh, I I just don't see how it's possible. That said, I get why it must kill him. You know, the, and I maybe I've brought this up before this comparison, but what I always think of is. Um, George Lucas and uh, Star Wars after Star Wars. And, and, and ev- over the years, there have been some um, interviews and stuff with George Lucas. And clearly, it eats to his, like, eats him to his core what's become of Star Wars, right? Um, and it's not necessarily that it, it's better or worse, whatever. It's just not his. And this was his baby. Uh, and he had his vision for it. And now somebody else is taking it and, and running with it. And I think even maybe more so when WWE is um doing well and really clicking and he sees something like war games which the fans uh, really reacted to and was a total positive but wasn't his vision it's got to kill him you know i wonder if if it hurts him more to see wwe succeed than fail in his absence yeah you have a thought on that harry i i don't know i keep thinking of uh could we see a return of the higher power (laughs) the impossible thing i know is it would be great to bring him back as part of a storyline and as a character. And maybe these things are going on. And if you want to have a real threat to the bloodline that turns them baby face, maybe a returning Vince McMahon ripping the mask off, you oh, know, would, would, would give them it. any ideas. But we know <laughs> that he cannot just stay as a performer, that no. he would get involved behind the scenes and that he would try to make it his baby again. I don't even think he's he, I don't even think he's healthy enough to even be just an on-screen performer. I mean we we saw WrestleMania that was one of the most bizarre and uncomfortable things I think that I will ever not be able to forget in my entire life. It was so strange. Um and but I mean I don't think he could ever sustain even just becoming an on-air character like let's say what happened to Shane where they were just like, "Yeah, now you're just a character on the show." I don't think he could even do that, even if they let him. He's just not physically up to that task. Yeah. Harry, you touched on uh, some people questioning whether uh, – questioning the job Triple H has done uh, since taking over. And I do think, you know, some months into his run now, we are starting to see not everything has been a home run, right? And I think you see in particular with all the people that he brought back – and uh, I think this was Triple H putting his stamp on things, saying, um, you know, I disagree with Vince McMahon's vision for these people. And, um, you know, it's probably almost a dozen people that he's brought back. And granted, we're only a few months in, but you look at the track record of those people and it's not exactly glowing. Right. A lot of those people have not worked out, whether it is, um, you know, Braun Strowman is sort of middling in the card uh, now. Hit Row's not setting uh, the world on fire. Gargano, who's a terrific westler, is out there delivering really uninspired bad promos and, and doing some bad TV. 
Dexter Loomis, um, and then the biggest one, Bray Wyatt, which you know I wasn't surprised about at all, is back to being Bray Wyatt and, and every all the bad stuff that that uh, entails. So, uh, uh, Brian, I, I wonder if if there's some part of Vince McMahon uh, thinking I told you so, right? When, when it comes to a lot of these people, and and does it say something maybe for Vince McMahon's uh, a vision and maybe having an eye for something that Triple H uh, doesn't, or is it just? early it's too early to tell and some of these people may still work out i think it's just growing pains and in the beginning too there's going to be a lot of triple h just going like because look i really believe we're going to find out in the years to come i mean there was a major political power play going on here and i really think some of this is triple h doing a victory lap honestly and just saying i won i'm gonna put back all the things that you changed that i didn't agree with there's going to be a leveling of that because I really do like, again, not to get into all the, all the conspiracy stuff, but I really do think that there was a moment there where triple H, as we all know, was the one who seemed to be getting pushed out of the company. It was very clear, at least out of power. And I can't imagine that Vince McMahon was not involved with that. It was almost like a, a Godfather two scenario with Michael Corleone and, and Hyman Roth, where, where he's, his mentor, but really, truly, he's not. He's actually trying to eliminate him. And and I think he was, I think there was some kind of retaliation thing where now Vince is saying, now you're the one out, I'm the one in. And, you know, I think they gave it back to him essentially because Vince got forced out, because who else is, is going to, is qualified to do it right now? I don't think that, I don't think that he would be back in any kind of power at, at all right now if Vince McMahon was still running it. So I think part of it is, him just trying to hit the reset button. But I don't think there's, you know, people jump to all these conclusions about creative and stuff. Uh, look, the bloodline is on fire. The, the, and not only that, but they've done a really smart, good job of having their top angles and their top storylines really dominate the show. So it becomes the main reason you want to watch it. Like, I felt like during the Attitude Era and like that Russo style of booking and the Bischoff style of booking, there was this idea that every single talent needs to be involved in some like incredible epic storyline at all times where every minute of the show. And I just think that is setting the bar way too high. I think, uh, what is it? The, the high tide lifts all ships. As long as your main storylines, your top angles are on fire, they can carry the show. They can carry audience interest, you know, uh, um, and that's what we see happening right now. So I think they're in fine shape. It's never going to be perfect. It's way better than it was. And I think in years to come, it's only going to get even better. I mean, I know I'm being optimistic, but I really do believe that when we look back, we're going to go, okay, this was the beginning of something really different and special in the company, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, and, you know, and I'm really glad to see the lieutenants coming back, William Regal, uh, Brian yes. James, because I'd like to interject here. Uh, you mentioned Vince McMahon's health. I'm concerned about Triple H's health because it was uh, over a year ago that he had a, a major uh, cardiac incident. And that's not something you just kind of brush off and you continue with life as before. And uh, he's in his 50s and he better pace himself. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine his doctors agree taking on this amount uh, amount of responsibility and stress. Um, you know, he, he retired from the ring, not that he was particularly active anyway, and that seems like it's completely out of the question, <clears throat> you know, bumping around with a uh, defibrillator inside your chest. Uh, but 
but right, just in terms of, of the stress and the workload that he's putting on himself. Um, that said, you know, a lot of the stories that we hear are about a less stressful um, environment and in WWE. And, and I think it's, you know, just the tone that he set from the top. It does seem like people aren't walking on eggshells as much as they did for, you know, the 40 years before uh, Triple H was, was running things. Uh, but, but you, you mentioned some of the on-air stuff and, and, and maybe we should talk about it, you know, putting aside, uh, putting aside who's running things as far as the product this year, I mean, it really has been the Roman Reigns show and he's done just an exemplary job of, of carrying um, the company. And, um, you know, the, the, Certainly since uh, John Cena, and now we're getting into the conversation of, of whether he's uh, actually going to, the mark he leaves is going to be bigger than John Cena. He doesn't have the longevity yet that, that Cena has. Cena's wrestling in, in a week or two on uh, on TV. Um, so so Cena is still Cena. He's still, you know, in the conversation of, of that Mount Rushmore. But but Roman is working his way out up there with this run. Um you know, let's talk about that. And also, you know, at, at the same time, as as great as Roman has been and how he's really kind of made WWE watchable this year, not not by himself, I do think that um, there's reason to be concerned about life after Roman, right? And now there have been some stories that have crept up that maybe he's looking for a break. Maybe he's ready to, you know, get that title off of him. And, um, you know, we, we've seen that Roman is a guy who will prioritize his family, his personal life, his health. Um, so I don't know that we're going to get this for, for that much longer. Uh, and if not, what is that next thing? I mean, it, 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 it is, I don't know that anybody's really lined up to, uh, you know, take the baton and, and run with it, Brian. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, not, not to criticize him or anything, but like what break would he need? I mean, he hardly wrestles yeah. now. I mean, I thought, I thought that the whole part-time schedule thing was intended to be his break because essentially, you know, he's got a lot of time off and, and even if he does show up at TV, he does a promo and he's done. And so uh, you would think that that would ex- extend the longevity of this, which I think is one of the reasons why um, I also th- agree with you that there isn't, anything clearly lined up and so i don't think that it'll change until there is you know like if cody comes back and you see where he's at maybe although i've heard that they want him back with seth rollins at least in the beginning maybe when he comes back sort of like the unfinished business thing but i feel like that's going to be more like you know close the unfinished business get rid of rollins and then move on and move up that would be the smart way to do it but you know, aside from him, I have no idea. Obviously, The Rock is not a long-term thing. So uh, what do you do? Does CM Punk come back? Who knows? Stranger things have happened, especially if they, if that's part of the deal. If they say, we will give you, like, you will, you will take over. You know, you'll be the top guy. Maybe that would be enough to get him the incentive to come back. Who knows? I mean, that's wild speculation. But I think until they have something in place, um, you're going to keep seeing Roman barring him just kind of putting his foot down and saying, I don't care whether you have someone in place or not. I'm done. You know? Yeah. I, I think of, of San Martino's uh, last run, right. Where that's essentially what it, what it came to. If, if it was up to uh, the McMahons at the time, and I guess this was still senior at the time, they would have left that belt on him as, as long as, as they could. But, but it got to the point yeah. where Bruno was, 
I need a break, guys. You got to get this thing off of me and get it on somebody else. I wonder if we're, we're you're right. And 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 certainly, you know, um, Roman doesn't have the the schedule that, that Bruno had uh, back then. Not at all. Um, and, and I would agree with leaving it on, on Roman. I mean, to me, if, if it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it. And I think sometimes over the years, um, promoters have been too quick to to move on to that next thing when the thing you have is is working uh, quite well. Uh, and, you know, Harry, if this was uh, April or May of last year, I'd say absolutely. Cody is is the guy. You know, we finally found, you know, the, the error parent who is the next big thing. Uh, but then you go through an injury and it's out of sight, out of mind. He's lost all the momentum. I think it's fair to say he will get some of it back. I mean, if he's a surprise entrant or something in, in the rumble, I'm sure uh, the fans are going to go crazy. Uh, but I, I think he'd have some work to do to get back to where he was just um, in in uh, this past spring. I agree. I mean, if you had to pick someone, let's say uh, Roman just up and quit, uh, Cody is the logical person. But you're right, he's not exactly teed up for it. That's definitely true. You know, when we think of the bloodline, you know, just as a fan, I definitely want to see the chapter two of this, which would be a monster babyface run for the faction. Even though babyface factions don't last very long, I think there's some kind of story in here with Sami Zayn turning the whole group. And, um, you know, I think of Paul Heyman as a late 80s guy. And there was a great TV series back then called Wise Guy. So I, I think that Heyman is not pulling from The Godfather. He's pulling from this show called Wise Guy with the insider who befriends the head of the family. And then you start, start to see the better qualities of the head of the family and loyalty amongst each other where you want the root for the bad guy. And I hope that eventually happens because they got to play for time because I think even Cody is a long shot for even coming close to filling that void. Yeah, and and short of Cody, I, I mean, the the Rock, if they get him, is going to make for a, a, a gigantic uh, business for for one show or the shows that they have him for. But obviously, he's he's not any kind of long term solution. I don't know. Who I don't think he can lose to the Rock at this point. Right. My, my yeah. thinking changed as of Survivor Series War Games. Uh, before that time, I still thought, you know, Reigns, he he can lose to The Rock and he can come back and they can just continue. But something about that Sammy factor has turned this into something extra special where I don't think Roman can afford to lose at WrestleMania. Yeah. Let me throw out a, a few other uh, uh, names in a particular order that I would say are <clears throat> kind of in the mix when maybe WWE is looking at, at life after Roman Reigns. Um Kevin Owens is one, you know, obviously they, they've been trying to position him as some, you know, after working with Steve Austin at WrestleMania, uh, they've tried to build him into a top baby face. I think he's, you know, in that conversation, maybe he is the top baby face in WWE. It's not saying a whole lot. They're not super strong in, in the baby face department. Um, Sami Zayn has become one of the biggest things. Now, the question is how much of it works outside this act? Is this something that you could transition into a main event act? Um, I don't know that it is. And uh, I don't know. Then you've got kind of the Drew McIntyres of the world and and Seth Rollins and um, those types. You know, a lot of guys who, in a pinch, could be your traveling world champion and have been, right? So th- these are all guys who have played that role. Uh, but it would be a significant step down from kind of the special attraction that is Roman Reigns. 
Yeah, and I think we're all making the case here for the fact that just keep it on him. I mean, yeah. that's the argument we're making essentially here is there is no reason other than him not wanting it to take it off him right now. You know, we're we're just this has been a welcome break, not the only time, but it's been a welcome break from what's been the conventional booking wisdom of like the last 25 years where you've got to constantly move the title, constantly move the title, um, which I always felt like it's great, but not when you have a, a person that you don't need to do that with. Like I felt back in the day, I felt that that's something that hurt Austin, for example. He was like the hottest attraction that they ever had in the short-term window. Like on fire, if you look at the numbers, house shows, merchandise, ratings, there was no reason to be playing hot potato with the belt when he won it at all. Like this guy, and then he wins it back, and then this guy gets it. And this, you know, they were trying to create compelling TV, fine. But they watered him. You know, he needed to get that thing and run with it and have a, a run like this. He could have easily held it through the whole Attitude Era, and nobody would have complained. So, like, they're doing now that with Roman – He's an example of somebody where it's like, there's no reason to take it off him. It's compelling TV right now. You can keep it fresh, which they've been doing, change things up, evolve things without switching the title. And they're doing a masterful job. It, everything comes to an end eventually, but I still see no reason to end it right now at all. Yeah, and, and one of the, the signs that they really have been doing a great job is that he's taken on a, a, a range of different uh, opponents and in each of those feuds, there was, at, you know, at some point, fans thought this might be it. Maybe this is the guy who beats Roman. I mean, you think about Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle. You look, it, it almost think it's almost laughable now to think right. that they would put the title uh, on Drew McIntyre. But people really thought it was going to happen. And and I think it's a testament to WWE's creative and to Roman that um, Logan Paul. You know, the, these were real questions over the last year. Is this the guy to take the title off of him? And you had pundits, you smart ones along the line, make the argument that each of them should have. Uh, and obviously they didn't. And, and I think obviously it was the right move. So uh, but I do wonder at some point, you know, we're now we're getting back into uh, uh, Kevin Owens, which is now we're getting into reruns. Right. We've seen Kevin Owens and, and right. Roman Reigns. Um, and I imagine we're going to get Seth at some point and we're going to get I don't know if it's Bobby Lashley, but it, it's kind of like the same old characters you, at, at some point. We're not there yet, but at some point uh, it may be past its freshness date. So I, I think. um Cody Rhodes is uh, very, very important, and, and it's very important that they get that right because, um, you know, when I think about lasting memories of, of 2022 and you think about Cody coming back at WrestleMania and um, what that was like, it went on to win the, the SB for WWE Moment of the Year. And from there, it, it just kind of grew. When you think of that, that Hell in a Cell match with, with Seth Rollins, which uh, is – going to go down and i think it's one of the, the legendary performances in the history of wrestling uh it, it's kind of a shame that that was kind of the end um because he really we saw the beginning of something special and, and i hope he can um return to that uh uh but but uh, uh brian you were talking about uh moving titles around maybe that's a good transition to the other company uh aw you know we're about are we going into the third year or fourth year of aw but but to me Clearly, this was the year that the honeymoon was over for AEW for, for those first two or three years. They could do no wrong. They were the darling of um, the Internet and a certain kind of fan. And I think this was the year where um, 
some of it was poor decision making. Some of it was bad breaks. Um, but they were exposed uh, a little. And it's again, I, whenever we, we have these conversations, I have to preface them saying it's still a really, really good product. Uh, but but we saw some shortfalls uh, this year. Um, the, the biggest being the debacle with, with CM Punk and uh, the world title uh, this year. It wasn't the only thing we 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 we've saw a lot more world t- uh, titles come in. You know, there was just like champion on top of championship. Then they started doing interim championships with Thunder Rosa. So uh, I I think some of that kind of wore on fans' uh, patience this year, uh, and we saw it in business, right? I mean, WWE clearly uh, got the momentum back this year. AEW's had that momentum for the better part of the last couple of years. This was the year where WWE picked it up you know you you think about wwe versus wcw the, the monday night wars and there was that point i mean i guess it was like 98 99 where wwe you know took over and they never looked back right and um i'm not saying this is it but but this was the year where there was uh you know if, if it was a race wwe pulled ahead a good distance i think uh harry what do you think about that <laughs> well um it really felt a lot like WCW, except uh, it was probably a nice guy in charge. <laughs> and I think that's been part nice. of uh, Tony nice. Khan's downfall, that uh, he wants a, a lot of the performers to get exposure. But, of course, that's diluted the whole product, where there's a lot of people you're not seeing enough of. Like, uh, like to me, the a new story would be the non-factors in AEW. Kenny Omega, a former champion who was sort of a historic figure, number one in the 500. You know, he's part of a a trios team. You know, he didn't quite get the big return splash that he deserved. Adam Cole, did he come to AEW? Is he, you know, things like that. (laughs) Where are they going to be in uh, some B group, you know? But um, I I don't know what's ahead for them. Um, I think every time you have one of these disruptions like CM Punk or Cody leaving, I think there's an opportunity there for Tony Khan to seize more control of his company. And I think that's what we're going to see. He's been doing it gradually. I think he's been more of a creative factor than anybody assumed he would be from the outset. But uh, I think he's going to go all in, so to speak. And I think in a year's time, I think he'll have firmer grip on what's going on. And I think that'll be a good thing. I say, keep the top 25 guys for the AEW roster, put the other 125 in ROH, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the AEW brand definitely got a little tarnished uh, this year. Right. And um, for those first few years of AEW, kind of like how it's been in the second half of WWE, it was all about who's showing up this week. And that, that reminds me, you know, also of, of, you know, WCW and its heyday. And it was, you know, the, the, the message that fans were getting was AW is the place to be. And people are leaving WWE in droves to go work for AW. for one that well ran dry. I mean, there just was nobody left. And so, you, you know, the last couple of years, the, the, the winter is coming episode of dynamite has been one of these like destination viewing things. And this uh, uh, year it kind of came and went that it was another show of, of dynamite because they really, I mean, who is there to bring in and beyond that, 
the wave has started going in the other direction, right? Where, where a lot of these people who just signed over the last couple of years ago, the stories that have come up in, in the last year is we want out, you know, let us out of our contract. We want to go back to WWE. It's a really bad look for, for AEW um, that because it's not even, you know, w- what the message was with you understood why wrestlers wanted out of WWE, especially if they were sort of marginalized. If you were an Adam Cole that can't even get out of NXT, um and Vince McMahon's in charge but they go to AEW and that they would want out so quickly after being over there really speaks badly of of AEW uh, I think and um yeah it just it just feels like this was the year that a, a lot of uh I don't know if I want to say questionable decisions but but the decisions that that Tony Khan made um you started seeing some of the results uh, and some of the negative results uh, of that, Brian, do, do, do you agree about where AEW's year was at? Yes. And, and again, this is another situation where I think in future years, we'll really learn a lot more about what's been going on, but you, you don't need any, any newsflash to tell you that it's chaos over there. I mean, it's just, you can sense it even in the booking, you can sense it in every bit of news that comes out of their locker rooms Um, it's, and look, the reality is when you look at hard numbers and also anecdotal stuff, cause I've been to shows and things, they've lost a lot of their audience. I'm not saying they can't get them back, but it's going to be hard because there's a lot of people that seem to have just checked it out and been like, ah, I'm good and walked away. Uh, If you look at what their numbers were compared to what they're now, I mean, WWE has put distance between the two companies, no doubt about it. And I mean, there are weeks where you can take the rating of you know, the amount of people who watched Dynamite, add to that the amount of people who watched Rampage, then double that number. <laughs> and it would be the amount of people who watched SmackDown. No, really. Right. And, and so like the the illusion, I, I don't think it's not this neck and neck battle. Maybe it once was. But they're hurting, and something's got to change because I think what they're doing now is they're whittling down to their core audience that would basically watch a test pattern. You know, yeah. they're going to get to that point. Uh, like I've, I've said this before, but I've been to shows where you can even sense—I don't know if you guys have been to their shows—but like you can sometimes sense the demoralization in the crowd at times, where there's like a sense of confusion as to what's happening. Um, there's, you know, people, you're sitting there and you're looking around and you're seeing that two thirds of the place is empty and you're going, Oh, this is not good. Or yeah. you have, you, I've heard people say, um, is CM Punk going to be here tonight? Like, like the, the idea that everybody is tuned in to every little online detail is nonsense. And there are many people there who want to like AEW who just watch the show every week and they're going, what the hell happened to these guys? What, what happened? I don't understand. Why are, Why were the Bucks gone for so long? Uh, where's CM Punk? What's going on? Why is he not the champion anymore? You have a lot of very confused fans who aren't on Twitter every second of the day, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and when AW was really kind of setting things on fire, one of the conversations was, at what point does this really inspire WWE to put their best foot forward and kind of remind the world of why they are WWE? Kind of what we saw with the Attitude Era in in um, during the Monday Night Wars. And to me, that's what happened this year. Some of that was was a product of Vince McMahon leaving, I think, and, and Triple H getting into the game. 
um, no pun intended, with, with this determination of, of, of showing that we are superior and we do this better than anybody else. And um, I think we saw that some of that this year. And one of the, the places where WWE really kind of uh, moved ahead and separated itself was with star power, which is, uh, it's kind of counterintuitive because uh, when you look at AEW's roster, and it it is a lot of big name former WWE stars. And outside of like Roman Reigns, I don't know that you have you know real mega stars in WWE. I mean, you have some if you want to put Bray Wyatt and and some others. But but really kind of transcendent wrestling stars. And something about this year, even these guys who were stars that they were in AEW kind of reduced their stardom, right? So I look I look at. Uh, a Brian Danielson, who was a, a top guy and should be a top guy. And to me, the AEW version of Brian Danielson just doesn't mean as much. And uh, I, I think some of it is a product, I think, of catering to a specific uh, type of fan. And, you know, I, I think it touches on, on what you were just saying, uh, uh, Brian, about, you know, there are those hardcores. If you interview uh, uh, Dave Meltzer, and I like Dave a lot, I have a ton of respect for him. AW is as good as it always it's always been, and and they, they do do something better than anybody else does it right. Uh, but there's something missing there, and uh, I, I I think what WWE has, and and it is largely Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, but, but that package of of star power and sports entertainment, um, it it just doesn't exist in in AW, and especially since Punk left. And uh, that's what Punk had or, or AEW had early this year and late last year was there was a period there where you could argue that Punk was the biggest star in wrestling. I mean, he he was uh, a, a everybody was talking about Punk. He was delivering on the mic. He was delivering on, on TV. Uh, I think even by the time, you know, the whole bottom fell out uh, over the summer, he had already kind of take uh, fallen down a couple of steps in part because of the injury. We forget he won the title and then was gone for two months with a foot injury. Um, but he didn't mean as much. And now, you know, they, they uh, went the route of putting the world title on MJF, a homegrown guy, a guy who they have a lot of high hopes for, reasonably so. But uh, he's not there yet, right? I mean, MJF is not a household name yet. That 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 is the reality. Um, and. I, in in retrospect, Harry, I mean, was that the right move? And 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 when we talk about you know going back to what you're saying about Roman Reigns, maybe sometimes you just leave the title on someone. I've wondered if that was the thing to do with John Moxley, because Moxley was the MVP this year, right? I mean, he was like the old reliable. Whatever happened, you could put the title back on on Mox, and Mox was like he embodied uh, AEW. So when they they went with MJF, I get that like you're trying something new, and 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 Mox in some ways. In, embody sort of the old AEW, and we're trying to turn a page. Uh, but AEW fans love John Moxley, and I don't know that it was the time to get the title off it. I agree. Um, when you have a long-term champion, it just reminds fans there are consequences to the matches. And if your average champion is only champion for three or four months, and none of the matches mean as much. I think back to Impact Wrestling or TNA, 5, 10, 15 years ago, how many articles did we run? Oh, finally, this is the guy, Magnus. Finally, this is the guy, Eric Young. You know, Buddy Roode came closest, but what TNA was really lacking was a long-term champion to hang your hat on. 
And AEW hasn't done that. I agree that I don't really think it's MJF's time. Yeah, I mean, you can have a champion who's your top wrestling champion, but you can also have a top star. Maybe you can MJF into that. So I think it's a little too soon for MJF. I, I really don't like seeing him with the world title this early. Yeah, it feels a little cold. And, and you think about the year. They started the year with Paige as the champion. It almost feels like 10 years ago. And then they went to Punk. And then Punk went down with an injury. And then they did the interim title. And they put it on Moxley. And then Moxley lost it back to Punk. And then Punk had to, to be uh, stripped right away. And then they did a tournament. And they went back to Moxley. And now uh, MJF. That is a, a busy year for a world title uh, in, in AEW. Bro. And I hope the interim titles go away this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's because their point. I think it took me two months to realize what an interim champion was. Well, it's an idea, I think, that Tony Khan basically stole from MMA, which I guess yep. he is a big fan of. And I think they've, People even started, hated MMA. they've even started doing it in boxing now as if there were possibly a way that you could yeah. water down your titles even worse in boxing <laughs> right. than they've been. Yeah, but I, I felt the AEW world title had been booked very, very well right up until Punk got it. And part of that was out of their hands. Right up until Punk got it, for the first couple of years of the company, it was booked in a very patient and effective way where every champion really got to make their mark. It was done well. Um, everyone at least got a chance. And I think it's been a mess ever since the first time Punk got it. Um, I think I'm a little different from you guys. I do think that MJF, this MJF change, is potentially a move towards restabilizing the title and making it mean something more again, something that people could chase um, having it be, you know, maybe not so much of a chaotic scene, a title picture. I, I think that's why when there was this groundswell all of a sudden to be like, Oh my God, Ricky Starks was so great. We should put the title on him because he had one really great promo. I love, <laughs> I love Ricky Starks and I think he, he can be there but that was absolutely not the time to change the title. And I'm glad that they did what they did. Um, but, and he's still hot. He's still going and that's good. But I think part of what maybe hurt MJF and the title change in a lot of people's eyes, including my own is the fact that we all know that that should have been punk losing yeah. it to him. And if it had been, it would have been 10 times better. And so they tried to make lemonade with the lemons they had of going, well, we still want to put it on him. We're going to do it this way. And it's not going to have the same impact. And it doesn't. But I still do think, in my opinion, that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Let, let's talk about 2023, looking ahead here for, for both companies. Um, what are you guys looking forward to? I mean, on one hand, we, we may have the biggest match in uh, at least a decade or more in Roman Reigns and um, The Rock, if it happens. Um, and short of that, you know, expect Cody back. I think we'll really get in WWE. We'll, we'll see that experiment play out and, and we'll see the, the heights that Cody Rhodes could reach in AEW. It's a lot less clear. I'm not sure like what the build would be. We, we haven't seen Brian Danielson with the title, uh, yet, and he's not getting any younger. So, um, you think at some point, I, I don't know if that is what they build to, you know, is, uh, MJF, Brian Danielson with Danielson finally getting the title. Uh, but as we just touched on, is, is it the right time to, you know, does, does MJF need to hold on to that title for all of 2023 to really kind of, uh, uh prove uh, where he's at? Um, Harry, what, what are you looking forward to in 2023? 
Well, AEW is such a murky picture that I can't really discern a direction right now. Um, WWE, like you can kind of see the roots they can take. Um, it's all about the bloodline. And, and like we've said multiple times, you know, I hope they keep that going as, as much as possible. Other than that, one little thing I'm interested to see is what they do with the, the Undisputed Championship. Roman's still yeah. carrying around the two straps. Do they mean to keep that unified? Is it going to split at some point? Will there, be, will there be some sort of controversial decision involving Roman where one title goes to someone else? So that's a little something to watch. I, I also wonder whether they just kind of complete the whole thing and unify the women's titles, kind of go in the other direction. And there is one world title, one women's title, one tag team title. And then each brand has their uh, secondary men's championship. And, you know, I, I do think we've seen them be elevated, right? I mean, we, we saw the World Cup tournament for the Intercontinental title, and um, it had a feeling of kind of a big deal. And they've done a nice job of, of building that title. And Gunther's done a great job with it. And, and Ricochet's been a good contender. And over on Raw, Rollins with the U.S. title, feuding with Theory and, and Lashley. These are big stars, world title uh, caliber stars, you know, uh, uh, and, and even theory cashing in the money in the bank for the U.S. title, again, helped kind of elevate it. So maybe that's where we're at is that there is the one world title. There are secondary men's titles that are a bigger deal than they have been in a long time. Kind of what the IC belt was back in the 80s and 90s, where you, you could headline house shows with it. Um, one women's title, one tag team title. Does that make sense, Brian? I've been saying that for the longest time. Yeah. I really think this is the time to do it. It definitely looks like they're doing it with the tag titles because I don't know if you guys have heard, but I've heard that they're going to be unveiling um, unified belts. So the Usos will now be carrying around one set of belts, apparently. And um, I th I just think it's time. I, one company, one world champion, one world tag team champion, one women's champion. I mean... Otherwise, you're, you're watering it down, especially in an all-hands-on-deck scenario right now where you actually do have competition. And maybe they're not as strong as they had been, but it's real competition. You don't have to manufacture your own competition yeah. anymore. You have it. One set of champions. They've got enough belts. Like you said, they've got the secondary men's title. Uh, you know, I'd even be in favor of if you have one you know, women's WWE women's champion you could have a secondary. You could have a women's intercontinental or something. The way you've got the TBS title on in AEW, yeah. I think that's great. You can do that. They definitely have the division for it, but not, but where it's clear that they're not at the same level. And you know, I, I think if if there was ever a time to do it, now is the time. I, I'm not one of those people that that goes, oh, you see, look, Roman's got both belts, and now the show is boring and there's less. I don't. I don't think that's true at all. Not in the slightest. So this is that's what I would do for sure. I think they're doing it. I mean, I think yes. we're, we're seeing it in real time that that, that is what what's happening. Um, are we getting rid of the gladiator motif finally with the tag yes. team title belts? Uh, apparently they are. It's going to be some type Thank of goodness. What I've heard is it's going to be some type of like thing combining. I don't know what this means, but like combining Raw and SmackDown in some way. So it might be like a blue and red belt or something. I don't know. But like it's, the it, NXT I, belt now has yeah. elements of blue. 
I think that the gladiator thing is out. I've never understood what that was all about, but I think it's going to be ending. You know, it's like they, they have these iconic belts from the, the 80s and 90s, and they keep on moving away from them, and I feel like they always kind of work their way back. I mean, that what the, that tag team belt, and I think of it around the, the waist of the dream team, right? Uh, Valentine and, and Beefcake, those big, beautiful belts. Yeah. Um, World belts. Yeah. yeah, I love those. <laughs> those are great. So, uh, uh, Brian, anything else? I mean, what are you expecting out of 2023? Well, I, I think, you know, this looks to be a big year for WWE. I think, you know, the 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 prospects of Rock and Roman Reigns, I really do think that that is the kind of a feud of an angle and storyline that is a needle mover, to use a cliche. That's the kind of a thing that the buzz will attract more people to watch those shows who maybe don't always watch them to be like, to e- either past fans or even people that aren't hardcore fans who are just like, wow, what, what are they doing over there right now? There will be that curiosity factor and they can capitalize on that. I think it's going to be a year where Triple H makes even more of his mark. It's the fir- It'll be the first full year where he's in control. I think you're going to see even more of a distancing from the, the Vince era of WWE. I think in AEW, yes, it is. This is this is sort of like I hate to be like more cliches, but it's like a make or break year where they can they can try to piece something together and 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 make sh- reestablish themselves as being like legit competition, or they're going to fall even further to the point where it starts to almost feel like a TNA situation. And yeah. I think the only thing that's preventing that right now from happening sooner is the is the bottomless pockets of the Khan family honestly but but there's a danger because look um the numbers it's the kind of thing where you don't think it's going to happen until it happens and the minute that the that the that the warner networks go you know what we'd probably do numbers that are just as good if we just had a big bang theory marathon on wednesday nights like the minute they feel that those shows are going to get booted off the networks. So they have to make sure that that doesn't happen, that the the numbers, even though the numbers are not stellar, they're still better than anything that TBS or TNT is going to put on in those time slots. But as soon as that's not true anymore, they're going to be gone and they're going to be, it's going to be like, well, well someone will pick them up, but it, but it will be a very tarnished brand. And so it's a, it's going to be a crucial year for them to try to like really make something happen and scramble. Yeah, it, it's a it's real challenge because it's hard to see what that next thing is for them, right? I mean, there there isn't that big piece of talent out there they can or they can get or that next big idea. So it's really taking what you have, which is good. It's a good product, right? So we're not talking about we're not talking about TNA or WCW when they were at their worst, no. having to to pull the nose up. It's already a good product, but that it is a good product in some ways is more concerning because it's hard to pinpoint what you need to fix. It's like, it is what it is. This is, this is AEW and I don't see it changing um, that much. It just feels like kind of the novelties worn off. Right. And, and they are not the, the new exciting alternative anymore. They're just the other wrestling company that's on TV and fans aren't that into it right now, you know? So, so uh, it's a real challenge. You know, I, I don't know what that, that next big thing is. If there is a next big thing, it's just not there. Uh, all right. Guys, thank you so much, uh, not just for today, but uh, but obviously for everything over the years. Always appreciate uh, an opportunity to talk to you guys. Um, wish you and your families the best. That certainly goes for uh, everybody listening and all our PWI readers. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, anything you guys want to plug before we run? 
Harry, you want to? Uh, boy. Uh, in the current issue of PWI just coming out, I do analyze uh, the bad use of comic wrestling. And uh, I targeted WA in particular. And it was kind of funny that the, the, the fallout with uh, Nick Aldis just happened a couple weeks later. Um, so Nick Aldis and I did not coordinate our comments, but uh, they've been going a total slapstick on NWA and basically entertaining themselves. And that's yeah. the danger of not having a real robust, substantial audience to gauge reaction. Yeah. Yeah. We could do a whole other show on the NWA. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up on them. I hate to say it was their biggest yeah. champion. The Tyrus thing was my, that was my line in yeah, the stand for, uh, for a lot of people. I'm yeah. done. Not, I mean, I'd, I'd love to talk more about some of it. And maybe that'll be the next episode. We can delve into NWA and impact and even ring of honor. I mean, um, they, they all have their own stuff going on and should be interesting 2023 for all of them. But I've got a, I've got a couple of things. Um, I know I, I keep putting off saying I, I do, I do have a book announcement that I want to make. The contract's not signed yet. Holidays slow things down, but it's going to be a biography. You know, I like the Sheik biography. It's never been done. Someone that's never been done. I think people are really going to be excited. It's somebody that appeals to multiple generations of fans. I think it's going to be very cool. I can't wait to say what it is, but I will hopefully in the weeks to come. Um, Blood and Fire, the biography of the Sheik is still available, digital, print, audio, you can get that. Um, my podcast, so this is cool, Shut Up and Wrestle, during the Christmas week, I'm going to have Bill Apter as my guest. Oh, so great. that is something that I hope appeals to a lot of the PWI readers and listeners. Um, but I'll have Bill on, and you know, I do it every week. It's an old-school wrestling podcast that you can find online wherever you get podcasts, and it's a lot of fun. So excellent. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll see you all in 2020. Happy holidays. All right.